Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Hey, we're going to be in two areas of Scripture, Proverbs chapter 31, Proverbs chapter 31, as well as Titus chapter 2. Once again, Proverbs 31, Titus chapter 2. Ladies, it's your week. Okay, none of the men clap. None of the men shout hallelujah. None of the men say amen. In fact, during this message, gentlemen, it's the only time I would say men keep quiet in the church. Don't look at your wife. Don't press her thigh. Don't put your arm around her. Anything you do could be assumed that you're trying to get a point across. Gentlemen, God bless you. Ladies, welcome. If this is your first time at Calvary Chapel South Bay, come back after this week. We're glad that you are here. Proverbs 31, Titus chapter 2. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we are so thankful for your great word. Because our culture would dictate something other than what gives you glory. Because the world has a way and the word has a way. So, Father, I pray that you would minister to us so that our hearts are good soil for this good seed to fall and to grow in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1941, something happened That never happened before. It was a spectacular event that happened on October 7th, 1941. Wonder Woman was released. The world had its first woman superhero. She was daughter of the false god Zeus. She was endued with supernatural power from on high, stronger than any man could do anything. A man can do even better, often fought off those villainous male counterparts. She became the new ideal woman, no longer a homemaker, a world dominator, no longer gentle and quiet, When she walked into a room, her presence was known. The value was power and dominance, control and leadership. Some women in here are going, I love the way this Bible study is going. (laughs) Some men are ready to take their wives out for breakfast. A little nervous. Pastor Chet, where are you going? You see, some would say of Wonder Woman... That her character displayed the ideal woman of the feminist movement. This movement began in the uh, later part of the 1800s at the turn of the 19th century where women fought to gain the right to vote. And since that time, 
Many great things have been accomplished, such as Title IX, where women were able to now enjoy men's uh, 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 sports in college and have scholarships. And the Pregnancy Discrimination Act, where you were no longer fired when you got pregnant. Yet this movement, this movement also prophesied the right to kill a child within a woman's body and is a dark stain on the gown of that movement. For most of us, their initiatives and these initiatives are simply part of the culture that we live in and they shape our culture. We're no longer surprised by women CEOs and women doctors and lawyers, women leaders of companies and businesses. It's not a surprise. It's just our culture. We've seen great strides for women in our culture today. Some would say, we got a long ways to go. Others might say, Fight till we make it right in our culture of conflict today. But I say, what does God have to say about the woman of wonder? Now, gentlemen, if you're not married, this is the woman that you're looking for. God's wonder woman. And if you are married, don't say a word on the way home. Don't talk, don't look, just look at her and say, where would you like to go for breakfast? <laughs> don't hint at, don't even go, <clears throat> clear your throat in the middle of the message. No, your desire as a married man is to be in prayer for your wife for these characteristics. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 31. I'm going to begin with verse 28. Proverbs chapter 31, I'll begin in verse 28. Speaking of God's wonder woman, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you, wonder woman of God, I added that, excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Heaven is highlighting God's wonder woman. Heaven is giving an accolade, giving a compliment, giving a praise to God's wonder woman. This is an incredible woman. Let me tell you about this woman. You can read it later in Proverbs 31. She takes care of her home in verse 11, and she leads a business in verse 24. She knows how to handle finances in verse 16, and she can cook up the best bacon you've ever experienced in verse 15, even though Jews didn't have bacon. Let me point that out there. She can buy the bacon, and she can cook it too, this Proverbs 31 woman. She can sew up patches in verse 24 and she can sell great retail in the verse, same verse. She dresses like nobody's business, but she's not afraid to get dirty in verse 22. This woman in verse 17, she even works out to stay in shape. Our Proverbs 31 woman. And if you will notice, God's wonder woman each of these strong characteristics and these homemaking characteristics, they complement each other. They don't compete. 
In fact, from heaven's perspective, God's wonder woman has always had equal value, just different in function. In fact, Jesus began the first women's movement by empowering women in the church. He gave them gifts of the Spirit. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, out of the four times that Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, three of those times Priscilla's name is mentioned first. It was unheard of in first century literature because of Jesus. You see, in God's economy, men and women are equal. They're different in function. Let me explain. In God's economy, men can't have babies. Hallelujah. (laughs) Women do. The function is different, but the value is the same. In church, just because women fought a cultural revolution for equality doesn't negate the biblical role of a woman, which feminists oftentimes are repugged by. They're appalled by the word submission. They're appalled by the word, here it is, naughty word, homemaker. They're appalled by the word right to life. And they want to compare with biblical values as if the culture is right and the Bible is wrong. But the Bible is truth. And the Bible reveals God's wonder woman. Ladies. So before we get into this, every woman in here needs to decide if they want the accolade and the praise from heaven like the Proverbs 31 woman got. Every woman in here needs to decide that. Amen? I noticed post-intro, the amens are a little bit smaller than where we started. Because each of the qualities don't take away a woman's rights. They actually enhance a woman to become exactly who you were created to be. God's wonder woman. So don't walk into these with a competitive mindset like the feminist of our day. Listen, if you get up and walk out, I'm going to stop and go, listen, we haven't gotten too obedient to your husbands yet. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. We've got a purpose, ladies. Listen, to see these characters as a complement to what God is making you to be. Titus chapter 2, go with me. Titus chapter 2, let's dig right in. Let me give you a heads up where we're headed. We're going to read it straight through. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, speaking to Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine that the older men be, because belief affects behavior, that they be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. That the older women likewise, in other words, they, they also learn the word of God and they put it into action as well as take on the characteristics that they're sober and reverent and so forth. So he says the older women likewise learn the word, put it to practice, that they be, here it is, reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, 
homemakers, good, here it is, obedient to their own husbands that the word of God may not be blasphemed. He says, likewise, older women. Now, I'm not going to define who is older. You determine. <laughs> likewise, older women. The same way men are to learn the word and be the word, the same thing applies to you. Now, we got many phone calls over the last few weeks, and some of the husbands are very concerned about what I might talk about, that it may cause controversy in their home. One of them said, can you even say those things in this culture? <laughs> Look at Hebrews, excuse me, Titus chapter 2, go all the way to verse 15. Titus chapter 2, go look at verse 15. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Listen, I'm not speaking by the power of Chetlo. I am speaking by the power of God Almighty who has defined what his wonder woman looks like. This is what God says. I'm just the messenger. And what does he say? Ladies, he says, very first quality found in verse 3, that they be reverent in behavior. This word is the wor a word that's connected to being priestly. Priestliness. It's connected to sacred things. It's the idea of piety. It has the idea of honor. Ladies, it has the idea of holiness. And let me tell you about the priest. The priest dressed honorably. The priest spoke respectfully. The priest did things that were with dignity. And if I can attach this to a lady, the priest was Stately elegant. When you saw the priest, you knew that there was something different about him. You see, as an older person, there are just things in your life that you should have worked out by now. The problem is, the problem is that youth, not age, is venerated in our culture. The problem is, is that youth is revered in our culture, not the wisdom of old age. And so everybody wants to look younger by dressing younger, acting younger, stretching younger. <laughs> I saw a woman in the airport the other day. It had to hurt when she smiled. I couldn't believe it. She was close to 85. You see, certain issues should just be worked out in your life as an older woman as you grow in the Lord. For example, vanity. Concerned about what you look like all the time. That should just be worked out. Insecurity. I'm no longer concerned about what everyone thinks about me. I'm concerned about what Jesus thinks of me. Identity. You see... A woman that is older in the Lord, her life is hidden in Christ. She is thankful to be gentle and quiet. She's no longer wanting to be loud and obnoxious. No, these things have been worked out in her life. She is reverent in behavior. Older woman is not a slanderer, the Bible says. Now, I don't know if you know this. Do you know that men speak about 13,000 word, words a day? 
13,000 words a day. Women speak 20 to 25,000 words a day. A husband came up to me in the lobby after the first service and whispered, my wife does 35,000. With all those words, ladies, let me ask you a question. Are you using your mouth for God's glory because people are listening to what you have to say? An older woman can say whatever she wants whenever she wants. That's the thing about being an older woman. You get the privilege to speak into your kid's life. You get the kids to say, you could say at traffic whatever you want to say. You could say in the lobby. Everyone's going to listen to an older woman. How are you using all of your words for God's glory? Because let me define what this word is, not slanderers. This Greek word, you'll know it as soon as I say it, is the word diabolos. Diablo. The devil. That's the word. And when you choose to use the myriad of 25,000 words to speak negatively or evil of someone, you're speaking the devil's language. Ladies, with all the words that God has gifted you with per day, be careful that you're not just negative talking just to keep talking. Then he says, this older woman is not to be given to much wine. Now, I need to let you know something. Wine was in, as, as common in the first century as it is today, probably even more so common because Jesus used wine in an illustration. He said, don't put new wine into old wineskins. And everyone would have known exactly what he was talking about because wine was so common in that day. But as today... There were just as many abuses of it as well. And so the Bible warns us not to let anything influence our behavior other than the Spirit of God, not other spirits. Let me include drugs into that. Let me include marijuana into that. Let me include your romance novel. Don't go there, Pastor Chet. Anything that you're addicted to, can I say soap operas? Can I say your show? Can I say the mall? I mean, what makes us feel good as men as we eat? What makes women feel good is a new blouse. And all it does is add to your credit card debt. But anything that controls you other than the Spirit of God, God has called you to be self-controlled. Ladies, he said, to the older women, to be teachers of good things. Now, I need to say something about the word good. Because the word good is relative depending on your perspective. So I would never tell my children when they would go out, I would never tell them be good. Never say that. Because their good and my good were two different goods. For example, my son's good was that if my daughter hit him, it was good for her to get hit back. That was good. So I never told my children to be good. I told them, I've set an example. You set my example by following the example I've set. Set an example. I would always tell them that. Set an example for the believers in word, in conduct. I never tell them to be good because good is relative. Your good may be different than my good. So the best way to look at what he's saying is to be teacher of God 
things. In other words, ladies, your resource has no longer become your novels or your articles or your news. Your resource has become your Bible. And you're taking your experience with the word of God throughout the course of your life and you are divesting that into others. You're speaking the word of God into your family, speaking the word of God into your children, into the people that you work with and your friends. Remember, we teach not just by what we say. Ladies, we teach by what we do as well. So wives, listen up. Your children are watching you in the way you treat your husband. When he turns around, do you go, (sighs) (laughs) they're watching. Your children are watching you with your authority. And ladies, let me say something. You're teaching your children how to treat authority in the way that you treat your husband. You see, if you're a single mom, you're still not out. How do you talk about your boss? How do you talk about your parents? How do you talk about your pastor after this service? (laughs) We're never going to that church again. Why, mom? Because he told you how to be a godly woman? But listen, widows. It's 1 Timothy chapter 5. You see, you're to be a teacher of good things because of a life that you've lived. And now with the authority of your life, you can speak into the life of another woman. And take a look at what every woman should be striving for. He says, don't let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. So he kind of defines like over 60 as a person that deserves the church's support. And then he says this, and not unless she has been. Now what he's about to describe is should be the desire of every woman in here. This should be your desired testimony at the end of your life. Not your career, not your hobby, not your sport. The desire of every woman in here should be to have this testimony. And the Bible says, not unless she has been the wife of one man. In other words, she's a one-woman man. Well reported for good works. If she's brought up children, if she's lodged strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she's relieved the afflicted, if she's followed, if she's diligently followed everything that Titus chapter 2 says. Sorry, I added that. But that's every good work. And that's what he's speaking about. You see, the desire should be a teacher of good things because of the good life that you've lived. But then he says, going to Titus chapter 3 now, as we dig a little bit further into verse 4, he says that the older women should admonish the younger women. Now this word admonish, this word admonish, it means to discipline. It means to train. It's a little stronger than like, I want to encourage you. Uh, Admonish is like, hey, I'm about to show you the right way and I'm going to stick with you till we get there. That's the word admonish. In other words, this is going to take some time. And older ladies, the Bible is making it very clear where you should be spending your extra time discipling other women. 
Now, I know in our culture, there's a lot to get involved with, like tennis club, crochet, uh, uh, F45. Like, there is a myriad of things that you can get involved with. But what the Bible is saying, your time is best spent investing into other women. Now, listen, you might be very busy. My wife was. When we were hosting Patmos, our school of discipleship, Andrea discipled one of the female students every Tuesday. And here's what she did. They came over in the morning. They cooked breakfast with Andrea. They fed the kids together. Then they homeschooled together. Then they did lunch. Then they did dinner. And then they did the laundry. And they, Andrea invited that girl into her world, into her day. And she discipled that girl in the midst of her life. Because that's what Jesus did. That's the best way to disciple. You invite someone into your life and you do life with them. And you use life to disciple them into truth what the Bible thinks is important. It also provides a little bit of accountability and it provides some connection for you. When my mom moved here, she's 80 years old. I started a ministry called Mom's Life where I took an 80-year-old woman and I connected her to 20 and 30-year-old moms so that the older woman could teach the younger woman. It created connection. It created accountability. It created relationship. See, the idea here is That the older woman has set such an example that they can now teach with authority. But this is not just speaking to physical age. It's speaking to spiritual age as well. You've been around the block. You know what the world has to offer. And you've gained some wisdom in the word of God. You've been walking with the Lord for some time. And Paul is exhorting women to make disciples of other women, to use the time that God has given you wisely. Take a look, ladies. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Look what Paul has to say. See that you walk circumspectly. In other words, see that you walk just like the Word of God tells you. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. This word is for every woman here. Let me tell you something. There's something about an older woman. They can say whatever they want. So how will you use your influence to impact the next generation? And as we go through the younger now, the older generation should have mastered these qualities. And as we speak to the younger woman, because he says, admonish the younger woman. And take a look what they're to be admonished in. To love their husbands and love their children. Now it's interesting, this word is not the word agape that you're used to. This word love is the word philo or philo. It's the friendship love. And what Paul is telling Titus to tell the women, what the Holy Spirit is directing the woman to be, is to build relationships within her family. So he says, the Holy Spirit says, love your husband. Now let me tell you what he's getting across. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's saying. The idea is you're purposing to make friends with your husband. 
Don't give your best to your career, to your friends, to your club, and neglect what's right in front of you. Be relational. Now, let me tell you something about making friends with your husband. It's going to take some creativity because he's boring. And all he wants to do is watch sports. And all he wants to do is make sure dinner's on the table. You're going to have to become creative to make your husband your friend. This takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy to connect, to have conversations that aren't functional, but they are building relationship. Some of you wives may be going, well, what if my husband don't want to be my friend? And I'm not sure if I want to be his friend either. (laughs) Drop his underwear one more time. (laughs) Sick and tired of cleaning up after him. It's the wrong attitude. Just because your husband's a meanie doesn't give you the right to be a meanie according to God. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Listen, ladies, your call in the home is to make friends. And the Bible says, likewise, be wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some are mean and don't want to be your friend, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. You're to win them over with the conduct that's found in Titus chapter 2. Now, I find it amazing that the very next thing that he says is, tell the younger women to love their children. Why would you have to tell a young mom to love their children? It's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit thought it was important to tell a young mom to love their kids. Let me tell you why. Kids are hard. And sometimes you don't love them. Kids are hard. And if you're honest, sometimes you would like to send them back to where they came from. Somewhere in darkness, somewhere. (laughs) Kids are hard. It's been said of parenting that the days are long and the years are short. Pastor Pat prayed for some of our youth. Some of you parents are like, Lord, I hope mine was one of the 20 that got saved. Jesus, please. Hey, moms, listen up. Take a breath. And discover your calling is to make relationship with your kids, to build relationships. Now, let me tell you something. Single moms, listen. First, be the parent, and friendship will come. Don't start with friendship. Be the mom that you need to be so that friendship will. Let me tell you when friendships come, around 30 years old. That's when they'll start being your friend. Trust me, the teenage years are not as bad as the 20s. Because the consequences are so much greater. And so build a relationship with mom. Now let me tell you something. We had nine kids. Let me tell you what our house was. Bread, 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 bread. Peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter. Jelly, 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 jelly. Bread, 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 bread. Open. Do you know what it was raising nine kids? You see, the reason why the Holy Spirit is imploring the mom to be relational is that sometimes we can be functional and not nutritional. Sometimes we can just make the sandwich instead of cut a little heart and give it in a plate with a little teeny carrot, maybe a little two, two raisins on for eyeballs and maybe a little piece of, of something sweet for a mouth. No, we're just hucking out hamburgers. I mean, we're just making sure that they can eat. 
In our busy world, I know there's so much going on, but mom, you are called to be the relational one in the home. So you know what I used to love about my wife? We had car, she was a taxi driver for 20 years of her life. And that 30-minute car ride, she used every single, you can ask every single one of my kids, she used that 30 minutes every single day to invest something into them. She would sing with them. And now my son, he's a singer around the world. She would speak the word into them. And now my daughter, she don't do anything unless she prays. She used car ride. Now, let me tell you something. I know you're saying, well, my wife is person. Listen, Andre's got issues, okay? <laughs> she knew I was going to say that. Use bedtime. Use bedtime to make a conversation. Kids hate to go to bed. So use the fight to turn into a conversation. Turn things around and purpose to make relationship. Listen, when you are combing out those knots, go, get over it. I know it's going to hurt. Life hurts. (laughs) Don't do that. Hey, sweetie, this is going to hurt. But sometimes things in life are going to hurt. So what we're going to do is, as I'm combing your hair, why don't you pray? Because I want you to learn that when life hurts, you need to go to God in prayer. Listen, why not make relationship like what you're called to in your home? Then he says this, be discreet. Be discreet. Ladies, this word is connected to the word sanity. Sanity. It means to be self-disciplined in all your freedoms and self-restrained in your passions and desires. Let me break it down to Chet English. Are you the thermostat or the thermometer of your home? Because you're called to be the thermostat. You're determining the temperature in your home. Your job is to take the insanity of the world and bring sanity in your home. That involves planning. involves preparing. It involves pondering so that you can take chaos and speak peace to it. You see, if you're just a thermometer, everyone's crazy. Here's what comes out of your mouth. You people are driving me crazy! That's a thermometer. A thermostat goes, okay, They're driving me crazy trying to turn the temperature down and cool it down a little bit. That's what a mom, that's what a woman does in the home. So when kids come home with homework after school, oh, division, turn it down. Don't speak into the chaos. When your college kids come home and they think they're all of that, and now dad and son are going at it, don't engage. Turn it down. You're the thermostat. At dinner, when they're fighting and yelling, you can look at them and go, or turn it down. The Bible says be kind one to another. And if you don't, I'm going to spank you from here to oblivion. I'm kidding. Then the word of God says to be chaste. Now remember, gentlemen, this is the woman you're looking for. Husbands, this is the woman that you're praying. This word is chaste. This word is connected to holy 
and pure. John uses this word. Would you take a look? It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him chastens himself just as Jesus is chaste. It's the word pure. John uses the word, and we translate it as the word pure. And let me tell you what John is saying. This is a woman who has her mind set on being like Jesus and how she can please him more than anything. She is more concerned about becoming the characters of Titus chapter 2 than any other achievement and any other accomplishment. This is what chaste is. Titus chapter 2. Ladies, is this your goal? Or is this your impediment? Now we get to the naughty word. It's Titus chapter 2. Look at verse 4. Excuse me, verse 5. To be discreet, Chaste, here it is, homemaker. (sighs) This is an offensive term in the 21st century world that we live in. Of course it is. The world system is going to make the word homemaker an offensive word because it's a biblical value. In fact, the world hates this word so much that even if you are a homemaker, you are now a domestic engineer. (laughs) You're not a homemaker. That's no value. A homemaker, just because the Bible says that a homemaker has value, you're a domestic engineer. That sounds more confident, more valuable. Let me tell you what homemakers means. A homemaker is a woman who is purposing to make her house a home. Let me go all the way back to Proverbs 31. If you look at the bookends of Proverbs 31, it begins with her family, it ends with her family. And if you look at everything that all of the values are connected to, they always go back to someone in her family because the Proverbs 31 woman who gets the accolade from heaven, the priority of her life is her home. And whatever she does benefits her home. She lives her life for her home. Now let me explain what this means. When you go to Hollywood and you go out for dinner, they have First, second, third, fourth tier waitresses available by phone. Let me tell you why. Because when the waitress, I'm using that word, I know they're called servers, but I'm specifically speaking about a woman. When the waitress gets the call from her agent that she got the part, she doesn't show up for work. Because she's only working there waiting for her real job. The only reason you have a career is for your home. The only reason you have a hobby is for your home. The only reason you've got a sport is for your home. Because what the Bible, what the Holy Spirit is getting across is that the wonder woman of God's life revolves around her home. Not her career, not her hobby, not her sport. She's only doing those things so that she can make her home. Her life is structured so that making her home is her life. It doesn't mean she's not a working woman. She works so that she can be a better homemaker. No one's walked out yet. She's good. Now, we've already defined what this means. That means that she wants 
and desires to be like God. But now we're going to dig in just a little bit to this last one in verse 5. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Andrea, you listening? Just making sure. Husbands, don't do what I just did. Don't put your arm around her. Don't touch her. Okay, don't like look at her like, oh, the pastor just did it. That was wrong, what I just did, okay? Just want to make sure she was listening. Here it is. Obedient to their own husbands. Gentlemen, have you noticed how quiet it unusually is at the 1030 service? Usually it's the way, hallelujah, amen. Not one hallelujah the whole sermon. Now, gentlemen, I need to speak to you first. Because in Titus, the assumption is that we're speaking about a godly man. That's the assumption. We're speaking about a man who sacrifices for his wife like Jesus sacrificed for the church. We're speaking about a man who loves his wife as Christ loved the church. We're speaking about a man who's given his life for the weaker vessel of his wife so that he can esteem her and edify her and build her up. That's what the Bible's assuming. The Bible's assuming that we're speaking about a godly man and that that woman of that godly man is to be obedient to her own husband. Now you might go, my husband's not godly. In fact, he's just evil. He mean. I mean, he's so mean that when we get in the car, he's going to look at me and go, "Mm, I hope you listened, woman. And when we get home, you better be obedient to me. I'm not talking about that kind of man. A man walked up to me after the last service and he goes, why didn't you make the women come forward like you made the men come forward? Because I already communicated. Women are different in function. It was the men's job to stand up and be the leader. It's the women's job to respond to the love of a man. So I'm speaking about a godly man. But if your husband is not one who is willing to obey, we already spoke to that. You don't have an excuse. You can't be mean back. You get your own dinner, huh? Meanie. No, no, no. It's 1 Peter 3.1. Win him over by your good moral chase conduct. But you say to me, Pastor Chet, like, my husband beats me. Like, he ain't just mean. He's physically abusive. Malachi chapter two says, get out of there. And it's the church's responsibility to protect you. God is very upset at a man that treacherously deals with his wife. And let me tell you something, gentlemen. We are accountable to God for this very principle. And I want to stop for just a moment and help the ladies understand what it means to be obedient to their own husbands because just a little bit later, Paul defines it. The Holy Spirit gives us the definition of what it looks like. It's Titus chapter 3. Take a look at verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authority. 
Ladies, you are under the authority of your husband and that should set you free because you're not responsible to heaven for anything that happens in your home. Your husband is. Do you know the parable of the talents? God has given your husband 10 talents. It's called you. Put your name there. God has given your husband 10 talents. And when he gets to heaven, God's going to say to him, okay, tell me what you did with the gift I gave you. Tell me what you did with the family I gave you. Tell me what you did with the home I gave you. I gave you this gift. What are you doing with it? Because she is under authority, which gives her the freedom from this responsibility. Gentlemen, it's stuck on you. And her responsibility, the next word, to obey. Now we're speaking about a godly man. And the key here is that you're doing what they're asking you to do. And ladies, can I tell you something? Listen. Submission and agreement are two different terms. You see, agreement is when you agree with what he's asking you to do. Submission is when you don't agree, but you're willing to follow with your whole heart. You see, the Bible in the very next word says, ready for every good work. In other words, you want to follow his leadership. You want to follow it. And when he messes up, the Bible then says, speak evil of no one. Don't go out to all of your friends and tell everybody, he's such a mess up. And my kids, they're driving me crazy. No, the Bible says, speak evil of no one. Have your one or two sisters that you can go to in life and do life with and communicate anything that you need to communicate so that you can be discipled and raised up and trained. But don't go to the world and announce how horrible your husband is like the Maury Povich show. I just dated myself. (laughs) Because there's a character that should be about a woman. He says in Titus chapter 3, to be peaceable and gentle. Ladies, with your 25,000 words, instead of using them for negative, why not be careful to use your words to say something peaceful, to say something gentle? It's a gift that God has given you. Use your gift, because ladies, with the 25,000 words that you've been given today, that's a gift from God, you're accountable for every word. And the last word that he says, he says this, Titus chapter 3, verse 2, showing all humility to all men. Ladies, let me tell you what humility is. I didn't like homemaker, (laughs) what he had to say about that. I love my career. Good. I'm glad you love your career. Are you making your home? Well, I didn't like when you said that like older ladies should have their vanity together. I care about what I look like. And every time I take a picture, out come my duck lips. (laughs) I love going to tourist sites when people are taking selfies. It's like they get it all set and then they go. Are you humble enough, ladies, to receive the word of God? Because that has great value to God. 
and your humility to receive it and to apply this to your life is going to make you God's wonder woman. Husbands, I hope that wasn't you clapping. (laughs) Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. I pray that we would all, men and women, realize with sobriety the optimal man that you're creating us to be and the wonder woman that you want ladies to be. And so I ask in Jesus' name, because we're either male or female, that you would give us the power and the strength to be humble enough to receive the word instead of reject it. And I pray for every lady here, for I know there will be many thoughts on the way home. Speak to them life and use this word to build them up to enhance them to be the woman that you're calling them to be. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.